This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Thanks for being on board with us. Man, we have so many new listeners, so many new followers, especially uh, the folks that are joining us now on YouTube. We appreciate you. And, you know, we love your snarky comments. We love it. I got to tell you, come at us. Come hit us in the face. We just don't care. Seriously, we read it and then we laugh at you. I'm just telling you. Hey, we're brought to you by Bryant and Smiley One, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling expert. Um, Daryl, beyond the snarkiness, and and by the way, um, we're uh, quickly over a thousand uh, viewers on YouTube. I mean, that was pretty quick. We've only been on for a couple of weeks now, and uh, we really appreciate all those people that have subscribed to the podcast. We hope we give you a behind the scenes look, things that are a little bit different than what you might hear on the radio. And um, I'm really enjoying our time, Daryl. That when we, we spend together and we do all these. Uh, podcast it's been a lot of fun it gives us a chance to to uh, talk a little bit more about what we we, we're seeing with the Browns and it also gives us the opportunity to kind of relax a little bit and not have to be you know completely constrained by uh, by time while we're on the radio so uh, Daryl again we jump into this Uh, we look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens coming up on Sunday Uh, what's the big news out of Berea on Wednesday uh, I think more so we don't know who's actually going to play for the Ravens this week. Right. <laughs> because they are just so incre- incredibly uh, beat up. Here's who did not practice on Wednesday, according to reports out of Baltimore. As we record yeah, this is Ravens first. Okay, yeah, go ahead. OBJ and Rashad Bateman. Uh, a couple of linebackers that I can't say either one of their names. Uh, okay. Justice Hill and Marlon uh, Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton. Uh, so like they are battered and bruised in Baltimore, but like the Browns, they're two and one. And anybody week, out, anybody listed as out. No, no, the weekend? No? I, I, no, it's only Wednesday, dude. Two, I know, but sometimes they'll, they'll do that. I've seen that before. I've seen it as early as Thursday. So you never know. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, the, the Ravens are beat up. They've been beat up all season. They've been dealing with a ton of injuries. So we'll see who's actually able to play for them. But that's kind of the big story. Aside from the fact that Deshaun Watson, didn't throw a football on Wednesday because I guess his shoulder is sore. Um, that was news. <laughs> so does that make us? I, I mean, does that put us in a position where we may see the rookie? No, I don't think you'll see a DTR. But it was kind of surprising because we talked to Deshaun in the locker room. Zero mention of uh, the RB sport, and I specifically asked him about taking big, massive hits. And, and bouncing back on the next play. And he gave me nothing for an answer. And then he's not throwing a football during practice on Wednesday. Um, and then, um, uh, sorry, just getting the injury report as we record this from the Browns. Sure. As far as uh, the, the official uh, injury report for uh, the day. And they listed him as limited with a right shoulder injury. 
So he is on the injury report. Um, but yeah, didn't throw a football, no mention there. And then Kevin Stefanski didn't mention anything in his pre-press, uh, pre-practice press conference either. So yeah, it was a little newsworthy that Deshaun Watson was watching DTR uh, throw the football while he kind of did like mental reps on the field. Did you catch any of that or was that close to the media? No, yeah. I mean, we they, yeah, it was during the portion open to reporters. So how DTR look? I'm just I mean, he hasn't really played in a couple of weeks now. So how did he look? On air. Hmm? No, they're throwing on air. There's no defense on we don't see a defense on the field. So yeah. Gotcha. I mean, there, there's no challenge to that. Now, granted, plenty Still of other execute plays and run right routes and uh, plenty of I mean, other I was about to say plenty of other Browns quarterbacks struggled to complete passes against there. I can think of like 29 to 30 of them. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's why I don't underestimate the fact that DTR is throwing against nobody. We'll take it. You know, you got to learn somehow. Yeah. I right. mean, yeah, he, he, he looked bad. Sorry. I, I, I don't have some massive ana- analytical breakdown of, of a rookie quarterback throwing with no defenders on the field. He, against I mean, he completed the footballs that he was asked to complete. So. I, I guess for that, he deserves – how many stars do we give? Is it four stars, five stars? What do we do? Sure. What's, what's scale? Are we five giving stars? away stars now? Is that what we're doing again? I forgot. We can. We can give away footballs. We, You know, what we're doing on the radio show is giving away beers because the Canadian government, now the United States government. Did you know we have an alcohol czar, by the way, in this country? Wait, what? We have an alcohol czar. Cleveland does or the country? No, the, the country. I had no idea. That I didn't know how long it was. I mean, it's just so we were taking it. So the government is going to recommend that um, instead of two beers a day, it's going to be two beers a week. So Jeff and I, you know, I rarely drink and Jeff never drinks. So we're yielding our beers to other people. So we'd have to do a different stick on this show. But uh, yeah, I I don't drink either. Uh, Oh, then you well, you know what? Then you now have two beers to give away to someone else in the United States. And would you like to share a beer with? Tell me what members of the Cleveland Browns you would like to give your two beers away to. I don't think I want to share any beers with the Browns. No, you have to. So, so the way we, we play the sober. game is, was we do need them sober. But you can say cheers to one of the Browns. Like I, I'm trying oh. to remember who I gave my beers away to last. Oh, I gave, um, I gave Jim Schwartz my beer, and then I also okay. gave Dustin Hopkins my beer this week. Uh, how about this one? How about this? It's for like a bit? player of the game, right? Yeah, but how about this for a bit? Okay. Hold my beer. Hold my beer. Okay. Yeah. You know, so like maybe we do hold my beer on this uh, podcast and we'll do, I uh, give my beer yeah, on. Like, you know, you try and one up somebody or something, you know, something ridiculous happens and something even more ridiculous happens after that. And that's, that's hold my beer. Right. Cause that's, that's what we say uh, all the time. Hold my beer. So I would say hold my beer on the play that took the Browns 16 yards from the line of scrimmage that was going backwards. That would be a hold my beer play. Yes. Yeah. I, I would. That to be a hold my beer play. Um, Cade York uh, during the entire preseason, hold my well, beer. No, I was, was going to say the, uh, the, the official ruling Amari Cooper out of bounds. That's a, that's official. a hold my beer play, right? Well, he apparently had a few beers before he made that call because there was no way on earth any you official didn't would have said he stepped any out of those bounds. beers from the midday show, did you? No, I didn't. I, I didn't give. I was positive, and Jeff, I think, was, was picking out negative things, that, and they weren't necessarily the Browns either. So, uh, okay. but yeah, we can do hold. We, it, you guys do the giveaway beer on the midday show. We can do hold my beer on the podcast. All right. So who are you saying? Hold my beer. Are you giving I, the I, officials? I, I just told you. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the blind mice or mouse 
uh, on the far sideline that said Amari Cooper was out of bounds. Are you kidding me? Oh, I got a big time hold my beer. Okay. For um, Miles Garrett not getting defensive player. Oh, of that's the, a good one. Uh, of the week, right? But I, I've never seen a player that actually like on defense that you could have said that's a three point play. Like the sack at the end of the first half. That was a three-point play. That should have been defensive player of the week alone on that play. Yeah. Yeah. So Bill's linebacker, uh, Terrell Bernard, won. And the reason he won was because he came the first player since Brian Erlacher in 2007 to record two sacks, an interception, and a fumble recovery in the same game. Could have been a good week for could have been a good week for co-defensive player of the week, right? Yeah. Now Garrett. Three and a half sacks, five quarterback hurries, three tackles for loss, and a forced fumble plus a partridge in a pear tree. And a rejected field goal, right? For a team that ran out of timeouts. I, I, I guess. <laughs> I'll give, I'm giving him three points. Like, uh, that sack was gigantic, and it changed the whole momentum of the game. No, oh, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with you. That, that was one of the uh, pivotal plays in the game uh, that – as well as I would say the series where uh, or following Elijah Moore's fumble that got uh, recovered by Tennessee in the red zone, forcing the Browns to play red zone defense for the first time this season. Uh, the three plays that followed that saw the Browns uh, push them back and combined nine yards. Uh, I think it went like two, four, and three, something like that. Um, uh, on the next three plays, negative yards, and then they had to kick the 44-yard field goal uh, to tie the game. But, um, the, yeah, I would say the Garrett uh, sack at the end of the half and, and that three-play sequence that preceded it, those were the pivotal moments in that win uh, over the Titans. And hopefully this week against the Baltimore Ravens, depending on who the Ravens are actually able to put on the field, uh, Miles Garrett and company will be able to repeat said uh, performance. So, Daryl, when you look at the Browns' defense right now, is it uh, where you expected it to be, a little bit less than what you thought it would be, or a lot more? Oh, I don't think there's any way it could be less than what. I I had to put the option out there, Daryl. I mean, like, when you go to take a test, there's always one dumb answer in there. There's always, like, oh, drive on the wrong side of the road thing. And I'm not going to give you the dumb answer. How about that? Well, Uh, good. I I would say it's, it's, it's... a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I knew they would be improved. I was very confident that the defense would be improved. I was not confident that it was going to be historically improved, right? Um, Daryl, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you watch the Browns defense uh, stymie these quarterbacks, they're throwing less than 50% a game. It's amazing to watch this defense just completely shut down the other quarterbacks. Like, these numbers are historic. You know, I wish they were a little bit less. That would make them even more historic. But now that we look at this and we say, hey, how are those other quarterbacks doing against the Browns defense? I can look you right in the eye on this podcast. If you're listening, that kind of sucks for you. But if you're watching on YouTube, I can look you right in the eye and say, Daryl, a little bit less than 50%. And that is outstanding, my friend. Outstanding. There's your 16%. You can put it where the sun doesn't shine. Thank that you for ripping me an entire podcast. Yeah, by the way, it's they're completing less than 50% of their passes. Yes, what did I say? What I don't know. Say? It wasn't that. No, they're less than 50% on their passes. That's what I was saying. 
but that i i gotta get that's some of the best sass you've ever had <laughs> i did it to you on the air and he didn't bite let's come back we've got more of it's always game day in cleveland coming up we're going to talk some offense and we're going to dive into the baltimore ravens how much do you hate the ravens like really did they not steal our team does anyone remember that does anyone remember history anymore it's always game day in cleveland It's always game day in Cleveland, brought to you by our friends Bryant and Smiley One, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, so let's dive into the offense. Daryl, I, I do, there's one thing about the <coughs> offense, sorry about that, that I'm I'm kind of wondering how it's going to play out. And maybe one of the reasons, Deshaun, I, I don't know. Like, I've heard people say this, hey, maybe Deshaun played a little bit better because Nick Chubb wasn't playing this week. I, I think that's absurd. I'd rather have Nick Chubb on the field. But maybe it caused Kevin Stefanski to think outside of his box, or maybe it made Deshaun think a different way. And is this going to be, it was funny because we talked to Chris Rose about this. I really think it's going to be running back by committee. I, I, I just, I, I just, I'm having trouble buying into giving Jerome Ford the same number of carries you would give Nick Chubb. So maybe the committee is a little bit smaller, but I, I feel like Kareem is still going to be where Kareem is and we'll see what happens with Pierre Strong. Like, if Pierre Strong gets hot, I say you ride that train. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be running back by committee. There's no question uh, about that. You look at what they did against Tennessee, that's probably what they're going to do going forward. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven players. Pierre Strong, Jerome Ford, Deshaun Watson, Kareem Hunt, Harrison Bryant, Marquise Goodwin, Elijah Moore all ran the football. Uh, Jerome Ford got 10 carries, 18 yards, uh, followed by Pierre Strong at 6-27. and 27. Those are your top two running backs right now. Uh, Kareem got five carries for uh, 13 yards. Harrison Bryant's your QB sneaker now, uh, two for four. By the way, do you not love that? I love it. I think it's a great idea. Take yeah. the big guy, let him go forward. Yeah, it's all right. Marquise Goodwin, one carry for one, one yard. Elijah, Elijah Moore, three carries. He lost a yard. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that that approach that you saw against the Titans, because they don't have Nick Chubb, that's the approach you're going to see, I think, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns continue to take because, well, that's what they have to do. Um, you know, Jerome Ford's a nice player. Uh, I, I just – I, I don't know that he's ready to be a bell cow back. What I mean by that, I don't think he's going to give you 80 to 100 yards every week uh, like a Nick Chubb can. Kareem Hunt now, I guess, dealing with a groin injury. So here we go, right? I, you know, not, not, unfortunately, not a surprise coming back. And all of a sudden, he's got a soft tissue injury he has to deal with. So, um, yeah, I kind of expect this running game to be a mashup. I expect them to be going empty more and more and more as the season goes along. Um, talk to Deshaun Watson about that. Um, uh, and a couple offensive players on Wednesday, and they just kind of feel like it spreads the defense out. And by spreading the defense out, by going empty, that hopefully opens up some routes and some seams for receivers, tight ends, and running backs to find some open space for Deshaun Watson uh, to get them the football. So I, I think that you're right. Yeah, uh, running game's going to be by committee, and then they're going to do a lot of empty sets. So just, I mean, to reiterate too, because Chris made me question what I was thinking. I think everything you just said was right. Like I'm looking at this Browns running attack and I'm like, 
I just don't see the carries the same way. And I, I just already explained that. But right. Chris just made it. I, I think Chris has the feeling that they they want Jerome Ford to do everything that Nick Chubb does. And it, just there is no Nick Chubb. Or well, they, they want to give him the same amount of carries. And I'm just – I'm not buying that. So I'm kind of – I'm glad that you said what you just said because I just I, – I just – I don't see it. And I don't know that it's beneficial. If you don't have a Nick Chubb-type running back, why wouldn't you try to find the hot hand? Right. Well, they view they view Jerome Ford as being able to step into that. So what Chris Rose told you is a hundred percent true. Okay. Um, but again, there's a reality to it, though, isn't there? Right. Yeah, just exactly. Yeah. So I there what we saw on Sunday with the run game is what we're going to see going forward. It's kind of like the return game, right? When Jakeem right. Grant got hurt last year, remember I told you the return game was going to be a hot mess and there's just nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. And then Jakeem Grant got hurt again this year. And I said, well, the return game is going to be back to a hot mess and there's nothing you can do about it. Well, guess what's happened, right? The return game has been a hot mess and there's nothing that Bubba Ventrone can do about it. Um, and I kind of feel that way about the running game that, yeah, I think Jerome Ford's going to give you a little something, right? You're going to get a spark here and there. But if you're expecting him to do that week in, week out, I just don't feel that's realistic. I don't think that that's fair to him as well. He's not Nick Chubb. He's not a number one running back, at least not at this point in his young career. I don't think that he's ready for it. Now, that's not to say that Stump Mitchell can't get him ready for it, right? Or Alex Van Pell, or Kip, you know, that, but right now, as we have this conversation, I, I, I don't know that, you know, that's there. And so they're going to have to continue. It's like with Elijah Moore, right? I mean, Elijah's not putting up these big numbers, but he's still second in the, in the team in catches. He's, uh, you know, getting some touches on the ground. Uh, you know, they're trying to find a way to constantly get the football in his hands to give him an opportunity to do something with it. But I think at some point, the reality of what's working and what's not working has to set in. And, and, and to Kevin Stefanski's point to my question on Wednesday, where he said, Hey, you know, we're setting some stuff up for later in the year. We're still working on things. We're still evolving the playbook and incorporating concepts and things like that. So I, I, you know, it's early, it's only week three. So I think it's premature to judge whether or not what they're doing with Elijah Moore is a success. Just in the same vein, it might be a little premature to to judge what Jerome Ford is going to be able to give this offense. We just we need a larger sample size than just these two games that we've seen. So I also think that when Kevin Stefanski tries to expand the offense, I think he'll do what he absolutely loves to do, and that's utilize the tight end. And and people that listen to me all the time know that I love the tight end position because I just think it's the blue collar spot on the team where you're you know mostly an offensive lineman, but you have the opportunity to catch the ball. Um, but we've seen we saw it right away, and I think to replace some of that offensive mojo they had with um, with Nick Chubb, they'll use David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, and Jordan Akins all at the same time. And so, I, like, I don't have any problem with that. I you know I know people want to get mad at him about various things throughout games, but I, I like that part of Kevin's game planning. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it, and I always look to see how it's going to be, especially in short yardage situations because. I think if you're a defense and you're looking at multiple tight ends on the field, you know that the other team wants to go a, a very short distance, and it's easy when there's one tight end there, right? But when you got three out there, you've got to make decisions if you're a linebacker. You've got to figure out where you're going, and then most of the time they keep one of those guys to stay home to block. I don't know. Well, what do you if they go five wide, you also got to make decisions. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, 
agree with that yeah. too, but I just think it's it's a little bit of an interesting look with the tight ends because I think with five wide, you kind of can game plan a little bit better. I think that with three tight ends, it's just it's a little bit different. You may not like it, and I'll be honest with you, I don't really care if you don't like it. I like it. I like watching it. I think it can give Deshaun a little extra time if he needs it to, especially blocking. I just and if if they're gonna be weak and we're gonna sit here and complain about Jed Wills, let's get him some support. Why not give him another another tight end over there? You can laugh all you want. I just that's I'm not I'm trying every offensive play, I'm trying to do this. How can I support Deshaun Watson? How can I make him a better quarterback on this given play? Yeah, I mean, I'm not spending every week complaining about Jed Wills because I I know what he is. So there's no, everyone else is. I'm not (laughs) like I, I've said what I think he is and uh, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, Hang on. I have to interrupt the podcast for one second. This is behind the scenes stuff. Hey, can you take the dogs out before you leave? Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. You're out of here. See you later. This is a very professional podcast (laughs) where we do not. Like, I mean, we, I, we've got beautiful comments from all of these uh, Mensa types that really just enjoy the podcast so much. And they love when we, I'm like, I can't believe, I, do we have time in the segment? I'm trying to figure sure. out. Yeah, we have 30 seconds. It, don't rip Meredith. Can you stop it, please? Ridiculous. I brought Meredith in to talk about Travis Kelsey. Okay. Me. I did. I'm and, the oh, one. By the way, blame somebody. It's me. What? By the way, it's the number one story in football right now. Oh, but no, it, no, no. Stop talking about culture. it. It's horrible. It's, it's the what? number one story in pop culture, not just the National Football League, but pop culture. Bill Belichick even mentioned it. Bill Belichick, yeah, you, who, by the way, says nothing about anything ever. He is the most bland, boring head coach in the history of media relations, and even he had to say that uh, Taylor Swift is the best catch uh, Travis Kelsey so- is you know what right. I can say? Anybody that doesn't, first of all, the story is going to go away in about a week or two. So no, it's just not. eat it for a week. And the other thing, I, I can't think of a better word. That, like we had somebody call in today. It was a good caller. He's a nice guy. And I don't have any problem with him. But if you're going to sit here and take time, to, take time to write about it in our comment section, you're a turd. You really are. I mean, find something better to do. And don't blame Meredith because she's uh, has a little bit of knowledge of what's going on in the world. If you don't like it, don't watch it. I don't care. You, we have over a thousand people that are watching this and that might be small in the world of YouTube, but I don't care. I don't really care. So stay off Meredith. You have no right to do that. You're a turd. Okay. What do we got? What else are we doing? Uh, I don't know. I was just reading a Twitter comment from our afternoon host. <laughs> what did it say? What did it say? What did it say? Uh, uh, since we're on the don't do it rant here. Yes. Um, some jackhole yeah. stole Terry Francona's scooter 10 days ago. Again? Not only stole it, but stripped it for parts, apparently. Oh, no. It gets worse. Defecated on it. Oh, are you serious? That is a true story. So Tito, as we record this on a Wednesday afternoon, they're doing the tribute to him at Progressive Field today, the thank you, Tito. And it's his last home game as manager of the Cleveland Guardians and, 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 his 11-year run here in Cleveland's coming to an end, and what a How fabulous happened. Like second time in a year, someone stole Terry Francona's scooter. This time, though, it got crashed, beat up, and like really. So uh, Nick Wilson, who's uh, one of our afternoon co-hosts, yeah, posted on X right back to me. 
Oh, like you've never taken a giant bleep on a scooter you just stole before because I was chastising whatever moron in Cleveland uh, went ahead and, and did this to the the manager of the Cleveland Guardians. Like, really, this is where we're at. We're stealing scooters and uh, using them as outhouses. Like, And on top of it, it's Tito's scooter. I wonder if they, I, I, you know, I, I'm sure they didn't know it was Tito Scooter. Do you think? I doubt Probably it. Probably not. But still, what's it. going on when, in this world? <sighs> oh, now I feel like really guilty because we were talking about gifts that the team could give. By the way, he wanted nothing to do with anything. All the tribute stuff, he I wanted absolutely. And I cannot say this any stronger. Tito wanted nothing to do with video tributes or ticket sales or T-shirts. or That's not who he is. Yep. That's not, I think he'd be really happy just to ride off into the sunset. He did not want anything. And the team, what little you're seeing as appreciation for Tito, like the billboards around town, okay. that's the team like forced it on him. They forced oh, yeah. it on I him. I mean, it's 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 completely not in his personality. That that's why he never made any official announcement, even though like it was the worst kept secret in the world. Look, back right. in April, I sensed that this was gonna be his last year, just kind of being around the ball club seeing how he was holding up in that. Um, I, I felt like it was going to be his last year. Worst kept secret ever because he didn't want it to be about him. He didn't want a farewell tour. He didn't want all this. Stuff. I mean, I hope the team gives him a souped up scooter for a replacement. And hopefully like he takes it to Arizona and doesn't leave it in Cleveland. Cause apparently you can't leave anything in downtown Cleveland now. Uh, based on a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing. Well, here's the thing is like, I, assuming that if he was going by the ballpark and somebody took that scooter, there's tons of video out there. Yeah. If I, they can I, pinpoint the time when it was, when it was stolen, I have there's a tons feeling, of video out there. Well, they caught the last guy that did it. So yeah. I'm sure they'll have no problem catching this guy, but yeah, I mean, come on, really, this is what <laughs> we're doing as a society today. So that's my, I not hold my beer, but my get off the, get off my lawn, old man. There yes. you go. Old man. Good job. I'm proud of you. Welcome to the club, Daryl Ryder. Welcome to the club. More It's Always Game Day in Cleveland coming up right after this. We're going to talk about the AFC North. Of course, it's always game day in Cleveland. We are getting set for the game on Sunday at 1 o'clock. It is your Cleveland Browns hosting the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, it is brought to you by, again, our podcast is brought to you by Bryant and Smiley One, Northeast Ohio's heating and cooling experts. We're really happy you're on board with us and that you are watching on YouTube or you're listening through the Odyssey app. Um, Daryl, I, I want to talk about the AFC North, especially because this schedule will have now given the Browns in the first four weeks of the season all three of the opponents that we will see in the AFC North, and then you're sitting on a bye right after this. So uh, what have we learned about the AFC North going into this uh, third stanza uh, against the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I think that the division is exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's going to be a tight race all the way through. Three-team race. Maybe it'll turn into a four-team race if uh, Cincinnati gets hot here, which, by the way, I'm not discounting that from happening. Um, you know, the Browns, the way the schedule has worked out for them, they're playing a ton of games early on in their schedule. In fact, uh, five, I want to say one, two, three, four, four of the first five games are at home. Yeah. Right, which means they play seven of the final twelve on the road, including so Cincinnati Week Eighteen. Yeah, yeah and, and and they'll end up obviously in Cincinnati Week Eighteen. But you know, when I look at the schedule for the Browns, I, I see a few more wins on there. Right, I mean the the Jets went from that was going to be a potential late season knockdown drag out brawl, 
for a potential playoff spot to now that that's going to be a win for the Browns. Right. Right. Um, just because that season in New York is going to pretty much go up in flames. Like the, the bears are the laughing stock of the national football league right now. So that's another one that I was like, oh, I don't know how that's going to go with, you know, Justin Fields there in Chicago. Well, that's a win. Right. So when, when I look at where the Browns are at, I'm not going to discount their ability now to potentially win this division. I think they win Sunday. I, I think they're going to beat the Ravens. The Ravens are beat up. They, they are. They're very, and again, it's, it's not going to be a Tennessee domination. It's not going to be a domination like we won against the Bengals. I think this is going to be one of the tougher games the Browns are going to play. But I do think that they're just they're going to win uh, the football game um, and get to three and one. By the way, September very good to Kevin Stefanski. He's very good at starting seasons. If they win on Sunday, it'll be the third time in four years that the Browns started three and one under Kevin Stefanski, and each of his four years as head coach they have been two and one through the first three weeks of this of the season so mm. they start well uh but then the attrition of the season tends to kind of catch up to them uh, as you get deeper into the year well, i think it does for all teams schedule. though doesn't it i mean if you if you think yeah. about it right? yeah. I, I get it but my point is is they're very good uh, it's starting the season strong i think uh i didn't I thought two and two, if they could go to the bye week two and two. So from my perspective, they've already met the expectation for me because they're two and one right now. But I feel like this is winnable for them on Sunday. They should win. I feel like they're going to win to get to three and one, which puts them a game ahead of the pace that I had put out there for them. And I said 10 to 11 wins going into the year, Andy. Mm -hmm. I might have to bump that up to 11, 12. Wow. 12 wins. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, 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 so just the way this, this season, the picture and the way things are playing out. So, um, but yeah, this division's a very tough division. Uh, my opinion on it has not changed. I think it is the most competitive division in the national football league this year. I thought it was interesting because I was reading ESPN's power rankings. I think they had, uh, trying to think they had the Browns at nine. I think the Steelers, um, at 11, and they had the Ravens at seven. I think that's right okay. off the top of my head, which I thought was extremely fair. I think that's right. I mean, look, this, you know, I, I think the Browns are better than the Steelers. I think that if, you know, every once in a while, as you say, they had a craptastic game. And that offensively was a craptastic game for the Browns. It just was. I don't think. And we all know that teams have that. Every once in a while, it just happens right, in the you, NFL. Would you like me to run through the power rankings for the from uh, ESPN? The, was I right? I think there are oh, numbers no, right there. For, I, well, I was going to do NFL Network, CBS, and ESPN. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear. Them. So NFL Network has Miami number one. Um, as far as AFC North teams, Baltimore comes in at number eight, down a spot. Okay. Uh, Browns are ninth. The Bengals are eleventh. And they have the Steelers 16th. Again, that's from NFL.com. Do you uh, buy that? Let me just say that. Do you, can you buy that? I can yeah, see it. I, I, I can, can see buy it. it yeah. Okay. Yeah, I buy it. Uh, okay. ESPN put the 49ers as their number one team in Miami, too. Okay. Uh, the highest ranked AFC North team is Baltimore at number seven. I was right. Okay. Um, the Browns are nine. Okay. The Steelers are 11th. Okay. I may screw that up. Okay. And then they have the Bengals at 18. Well, I, I, I don't, I think, I mean, I think it's fair. I, what was the other one you were looking at? You said that you had three. Uh, in front of me. Sports. 
Okay. So CBS Sports actually goes San Francisco one. They put Miami four, which I don't know that I agree with that. Baltimore comes in at number eight in their weekly rankings. The Steelers are 11. The Browns are 12. And the Bengals are 18. Ooh, no love for the AFC North in those CBS rankings. Ooh. Wow. I, who'd you say? What, where do they have the where do they have the Ravens? Sorry. Uh, they, it, it clicked on me. That's why. Sorry. Uh, hang on here. Uh, I got to go back to it. Um, Sorry. Ravens are eight. Ravens are eight, Steelers 11, Browns 12, Bengals 18 on CBS. It'll be interesting to see who's right. I tend, to, I tend to agree with ESPN. Does Fox do rankings? I don't think they do. Fox Sports? Oh, yeah, they do. Uh, okay, here what's we, Fox? Yeah, Fox Sports does rankings. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Miami is their number one team. Okay. Uh, which, by the way, I'm going to make a prediction. Miami will not be in the Super Bowl. Uh, they have Baltimore uh, as the top team in the AFC North, ranked seventh. Um, and then, wow, uh, they have the Browns 11th, the Bengals 14th. And why do I feel like all of a sudden I miss? Wow, they put the Steelers, who are 2-1. and one, They have right. the Steelers at 18th. Wow. So the, the one and two Bengals are 14 and they have but wait i thought the afc north was so tough these they have no respect i I tell you the other thing is they have no respect for the browns defense if the if the none of them do if you think about it yeah they're they're probably saying that uh joe burrow was injured in week one uh no one wants to give deshaun watson any credit for anything that's not going to happen it's going to take half a season for deshaun to get any credit from anybody well, it he is. hasn't done anything to deserve any credit. Right no, I, well, last week he was okay. I mean, yeah, you know, to be okay. mediocre, that's why I think these numbers are okay. Like ESPN, Deshaun's been mediocre at best, right? That's what we've yeah. seen. In two wins, he's been mediocre at best and got better again last week, arguably playing his best game. Sure. No interceptions, no, you know, so that all those things help. He could have he had three touchdowns if, you know, the, if the refs didn't yeah. could actually see what he's doing. And he would have thrown for 350 yards in that game too because that would have been a 65-yard touchdown. Instead, the ball was put at – so that cost Deshaun <laughs> 40 yards of passing in a touchdown, which, again, that would have put him over the – put him actually would have put him around uh, 325 to 330 is where he would have landed with three touchdowns. And then people, I think, would have really, really uh, – Uh, gotten more excited nationally about that performance but see when you don't hit the three bills in a game right right they don't they don't want to come around and say that you played a good game even though his completion percentage was outstanding uh at 27 of 33 so they that that's why like it's that 300 yard plateau like we we were joking, you know, you were busting my chops about that sixteen percent, you know, right? Whatever, you know, we talked about that on the last podcast. Well, mm-hmm. the line of demarcation for like a quote good quarterback game is three hundred yards passing and multiple touchdowns, and we have not gotten that performance from Deshaun. We've gotten three touchdowns last year against the Washington Commanders, but not three hundred yards passing. We got two touchdowns last week against the Tennessee Titans but not 300 yards passing partially because he got the last five minutes of the game off because DTR got to go in the game. And Hey, Oh, by the way, conspiracy theory. What if the reason they took him off the field was because his shoulder was dinged up? Well, that's not a bad thought. Although it was nice to see DTR get on the field, Yes, but I don't think you could be right. You could be right. Um, You want the weird stat of the week. My buddy chip sent this. He saw this on Fox eight on their morning show. 
And it said they showed how the Browns had the fourth best defense after three games in the history of the NFL. Oh, by yardage. Yeah. I think they've given three of those four teams. Say that again. They've given up like 421 yards. Yes. A hundred either. I now don't hold me to this, but I thought I saw this yesterday. They are 110 yards better than the second best team in the NFL after three games. Uh, They've given up up 20 fewer first downs than the Buffalo because for first downs allowed 21 for Cleveland. And I think 41 for the Buffalo bills. How crazy is that one? So again, the fourth best defense after three games in the history of the NFL, three of those four teams did not make the Super Bowl. The Lions, the Oilers, and the Browns are the only team that was this good after three games. 99 Tampa Bay Buccaneers made it. And they won it, right? 99 Buccaneers won, didn't they? Doug Williams, right? Yeah. Yep. Daryl, it has always been a pleasure. Um, I was just one more thing. I'll just ask you real quick. You do think the Browns win on Sunday? Yes, I do. I think they As, go to three and one into the bye week of three and one, and um, no therapy Monday required on Baskin and Phelps. And uh, are you taking the Browns? Are you? As yeah, I am going to take the Browns. I, I will take the Browns again. I do think um, Ninjoku is due for a gigantic day. I'll just say that I'm ready for that. It's interesting. So I asked him on Wednesday because he's starting to ascend the franchise record books as far as most catches. And I think he's fourth right now and he might be third. I have to look that up real quick. Um, I'm having a brain cramp, but he's he's moving up those those numbers. And if he ends this season with like 50 some catches or whatever, he'll be the number two receiver behind only Ozzie Newsome, the Hall of Famer. For tight ends in in Brown's history as far as uh, receptions go. How cool is that? My other prediction, this is my bold prediction for Sunday. The Marquise Goodwin connection. The the, the Marquise Goodwin connection finally works on Sunday. They're going to find him on a long ball. That's my second prediction. Uh, My only prediction, well, my second prediction behind Browns will win the game is that uh, Amari Cooper will not get screwed out of any touchdowns on Sunday. That's a good call, and that's why it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for Meredith Kane, our outstanding producer. Thank you very much, Meredith. And Taylor uh, Swift correspondent. That's true. That is true. And if you got a problem, why are you wasting your time writing it on the bottom of the screen? Seriously, go find something better to do. It's always game day in Cleveland. 